Hi, welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, City View Church. Well, hey, welcome to our part two of Build Your Legacy. And some of you might be wondering, so Jeremiah, what is this? Well, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View Church. And we've been a church for six years. Um, we celebrated six years last weekend, and we have seen God do some amazing things. And for some of you, you don't know this, but we're still a portable church, meaning we set up and tear down every single Sunday. We, have, we lease this building. Uh, we have a year-to-year lease right now um, until they say they don't want us here anymore. That's sort of, that's the reality here. So if you, can, if you ever lived in a place where you don't know if they're going to let you rent it again, that's the, that's the space we're in right now. And so as we, we, we started in the movie theater, we were there for four and a half years until COVID hit. COVID hit, we shut down, went straight online for five months. And in that time, we were working on a deal to get into this building. Well, we wanted to be in here long term. We were looking to sign like a seven-year deal, and they said no. Then we tried a five, they said no. We tried a three, they said no. Then we tried a one, they said sure. Uh, I don't know if it was just our persistence or what. And so we were in here for a year, and we saw God do some great things. Um, we, we saw us grow, and some of you might look going, grow? What does that mean? Well, when you're in a theater that's smaller, you see now being in a room that seats 800, um, you may not see it as much, but we started with 137 people. We now run on a regular Sunday around 350 people. That's what we've seen God do over the last six years. We've seen 145 people get baptized in the last six years. We have five people getting baptized today scheduled, but there's somebody in here today. I know there's someone in here. I just, I, I just, I don't want you to miss that opportunity, because for for so many people, baptism is a day that it it, it helps you take a step of faith that you never knew you were supposed to take. I've seen ladies come in here all dressed and pretty, and all of a sudden I say, hey, you know what? Somebody's in. You're supposed to. And then she, I, I, her name was Brittany, and she got up. We had change of clothes, and she got all wet and um, left beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, but beautiful too. Like, it was just a life-changing moment. She wasn't planning on all that, but I just, so we're in this phase now. We're going, okay, God, I think it's time for us to not just be moving, moving, moving from one place to another, but it's time to find a home. And so we've been hunting and searching, and I can't tell you how many times I've been shot down on different offers and buildings. Um, this, we're, we're looking at a, at a building. I've walked through it. We've made three offers on it. They shot me down three times. Man, if it was dating, I, I might give up, but I'm not a give up kind of guy. I don't give up. Um, uh, my wife, when I, when I went on our first date with her, she was actually going out with another guy on the same date. I invited myself on that date. Um, true story. I invited myself to that date, invited two other girls, and said, hey, can I come? We went, and then we got married. So that tells you how persistent I am. I don't give up. So I don't know where our home is. I don't know where it is yet. I know generally where it's going to be. It's going to be somewhere on this side of town. Somewhere from Greenway to Joe Max, somewhere from I-17 to 91st Avenue. I know it's in that square, at least I think. That's the square I gave God. Um, Whether or not he likes my square or not, I don't know. But we're trying to raise a million dollars. That's our goal. Because we've got to be able to put a down payment on. We've got to be able to do the work. That's, that's the reality. So, because I had people asking me, so Jeremiah, what are you doing? That's what Build Your Legacy is about. But the thing is, Build Your Legacy is so much more than us just getting a building. It's about the mission and the vision of City View Church. You see, our vision is we want to be a thriving church 
living thriving lives, leaving legacies. That's our vision. That's where we're going. That's what we want to see at the end. Somebody asked me the other day, they go, Jeremiah, if by a snap of your fingers, if you could have whatever you wanted in life, what would you have? I said it would be that every person is living on mission for Jesus Christ. That would be, he goes, but if they did that, you wouldn't have a job. And I said, I don't care. I have other skills. I don't need to just be up here preaching. I can do that at work. I could do that anywhere. I could do other jobs. I don't care if, this, if that happened. But wouldn't that be amazing? So that's our vision, that our, our church would be a thriving church, that every life would be a thriving life in Jesus Christ, and that we would be living legacies. Our mission is that we would help people belong in community. That's why you will hear, Jared, or whoever is up here on Stewing Stage Promos, is it, it's okay for you to, you can, you can belong here before you believe, because so many people are just like, okay, God, do you still like me? Is there a chance? So we want to help all people belong in community. We want to help them believe in Jesus. That's why we are so big on baptism. Because we believe every life has a chance to change. And then we want to help all people become who God is calling them to be. Because all of you have a purpose. Every single life here, you all have a purpose bigger than you could ever imagine or think. That doesn't mean you're going to be on a stage. That, this is not like the pinnacle of purpose. This is just part of what God has called me to do. But some of you, it, it is to be that, that person at your workplace where you're going to be able to share the gospel to people I will never, ever be able to reach. At your schools, wherever you might be, we want to help you become who God is calling you to be. And part of that is being able to have a space where we can do trainings and where we, we don't want to just be able to, we don't want to just be a Sunday church because Sunday church, that's not what Jesus called us to be. He called us to be an everyday church. Church isn't about a building, it's about a people who are on mission going and telling others about Jesus. That's what this is all about. And build your legacy is about us pouring into the next generation, us creating a space for the next generation so that they might live out the mission and vision of Jesus Christ, so they might go all about his kingdom for his kingdom that others might know that there's a God who loves them. That's what build your legacy is all about. You see, in it was in 1984 that a man named Walt, he started a church called Community Church of Joy. And when he moved out here, he started and, and he, he brought the church here. There was a small little church building right outside here. He, 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 he felt God call him to this part of the valley and he goes and, and he started preaching and more people started coming and more people started accepting the Lord and more people started accepting the Lord. And then it, grew, just, it continued to grow and grow and grow until they outgrew the small building they were in. And then they built this building. And I was able to sit down with him a couple months ago and say, Walt, Tell me why do you do what you do? Why are lives so important? And I want to share with you part of that interview right now. If you love him, I, I, don't, I don't think it's timidity, the reason we don't share our faith. I think it's lack of love. If, if we loved our neighbors and our lost neighbors as much as God loves them, we would do whatever it takes to reach the one, you know, at least reach one for Christ, and then they would reach one, and mm. they would reach one, and it, it, uh, it. I believe God came to save the world. Mm. 
I agree. Man, when Walt said, if we loved our lost neighbors as much as God loves them, we would do whatever it takes to reach the one. When he said that, that struck me so hard. How much do I love my lost neighbors? How much do I love those who don't know Christ? How much do I love somebody who, who's never heard? How much do I love somebody who, who's hurt me or offended me or done something to me? And I thought, man, that hits hard. If we loved our lost neighbors as much as God loved, loves them, we would do whatever it takes. We would do whatever it takes. You see, that's the heart of Christ, that we would do whatever it takes because Christ did whatever it took to love every single life. You see, when Christ's love fills you, it wrecks you. You see, Christ's love compels you when it fills you. Paul talks about this love of Christ. He says, the love of Christ compels me. It doesn't compel us until it fills us. But once it fills you, it compels you so that you can do more and more, share more and more, tell others more and more. So as we continue this series of Build Your Legacy, we're going to be continuing our look at Paul, and today we're, going to, we're looking at Paul and Timothy and that relationship, and, and today we're going to be looking specifically at Paul and what got him to the place of where he was, where he was so wrecked by the love of God. Let's pray and get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan and that you have a purpose and that you desire to do great things in this room. Jesus, I ask that you would, your Holy Spirit would be free to move in lives in here. Jesus, I know that there's, there's probably some people struggling going, you know what, I think I'm supposed to get baptized today. And if that's you, if, if, if that's you in this room right now and you know that it's your chance to, it's your moment to take that next step, be Be bold. Do it. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be scared. The water's warm. This service. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move on hearts. If there are some in here who have never given their lives to you, Jesus, I ask that they would, you would draw them now, that your Holy, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would draw hearts to yourself. God, I ask that you'd move in this room, that you call each of us to be just on mission for you, sharing your gospel, your good news. Jesus, I pray for churches all over the valley today that, that are just they're preaching on the different things, but really the end is the same. Lives would be changed and that we would share the gospel. So Jesus, I pray for CCV, I, I pray for Hillsong, I, I pray for Pure Heart, Lord, I, I pray for Moon Valley Bible, and Jesus, I ask that you would bless us here at City View, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're now in week two. Of this Build Your Legacy, and last weekend I was super encouraged and really, my heart is that we each would be living on mission, that we each would be living with a single purpose of wanting to leave legacies. A, a lady passed away um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm, getting, I'm doing her memorial next weekend, and, and she has a, a prayer journal. 
And I can't wait to look over that. I get it next service when the family comes. I can't wait to look over that. And I know in her prayer journal, she was not even only praying for healings. She was praying for, for, for different things that God would move. She was praying for, for people to come to know the Lord. She was praying that Kim Kardashian would come to know the Lord or Kim West, whatever her name is, I don't even know. She was praying that Kanye would continue to stand up for what's right. That's, that's in her prayer journal. I'm not lying. That's like a focus prayer right there. I'm like, come on. Ripples of her prayers will continue. But legacies. You see, our heart is that one day as a church, what I would love to see is outside on this wall. This is what I see in my mind as I close my eyes. I see a wall that, that says legacies are built here. That's what I see. I see a place that when we walk in and you're walking in, whatever it is, you're going, I know that God can change my life right now. That I'm building a new legacy not about myself, but about Jesus Christ. When you walk your kids into children's ministry and you're dropping them off, you're going, you know what, that's part of my legacy. That's part of what I'm living. That's part, that's part of why I want to live for Jesus. You see, the heart of Build Your Legacy is three things. One, that we would invest in the future. Two, that we would tell others about Christ. Three, that we would multiply on purpose. That we would continue to share and share and share and that we would grow in the Lord. Our passage, what God has given me for Build Your Legacy for this series, comes out of Psalm 102, verses 18 through 22, but today we're going to be looking at 21, verse 21. And the psalmist writes, that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. But why? Why tell? In this the next, over these three weeks, we're looking at Paul and Timothy. For some of us, I know maybe we don't know who Paul is in the Bible. He was a real man. He's a real character. History talks about him. And when you learn about his early life, there, there are some things about him that doesn't really make sense. But as you learn about his latter life, as he was coming to the end of his life, and even the last 10, 15 years of his life, he was a very passionate man. Paul had an urgency. He had a passion. Paul was on mission. And when you look at Paul's writings, Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. When you look at Paul's writings, you see this urgency in him. And we're going to look at a few of those passages now before we get into our text of Acts chapter 9. But we're going to look at this, this urgency of Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. I'm just going to read parts of these verses. Paul says, I am under obligation. I have to do this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, but the goal of our instruction, he says, this is our goal, this is where we're going, is love from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. First Timothy chapter 1, verses, verses 12 through 14, Paul says, he says, he considered me faithful, putting me into service. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. For first of all, then I urge that the entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Fight the good fight. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and made the confession in the presence of many witnesses. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, verses 6 through 9. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift which God is the gift of God which is in you. Verse 8, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed. 
2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. 2 Timothy 2.4, preach the word. Paul has this urgency. Over 20 times, Paul uses the word must in his writings. You must do this. You must do this. You must do this. He uses these, these words urgency, urgency. I beseech you. I beg you. You see this urgency on Paul, but why was he so desperate? Why did he have this urgency? Why was he willing to invest so much in a young man named Timothy that so many others said it was a waste of time? That so many others looked at Timothy and they're like, he's too young. Why are you doing this? Why did Paul have this urgency? Was it because he grew up in some privileged home, always going to Christian school, and he grew up going to church every single day, and he grew up knowing that Jesus loves him, this he knows, because the Bible told him so? Was it because he just had this natural way about him of loving Jesus and loving people and wanting to do what's right? Is that what it was? Is, is it because he just automatically already knew because he was born in the right family? No. No, not at all. The reason why Paul had an urgency is because Paul had an encounter with Christ. He had this moment that Christ wrecked him. And for some of us in here, we had that moment, but it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it sizzled. It's gone dead. And we don't have an urgency anymore. Now our only urgency is heaven. We just look forward to one day dying and going to heaven. And we've forgotten that there's so many people who are going to die and go to hell. And we've forgotten about the urgency that we need to have for our lost friends, our lost neighbors, our lost family members. And some of you in here today, maybe that's you, you're in a seat where, where you, don't, you don't even know that Jesus loves you. You don't even know that God cares for you. You didn't even know that Jesus died on a cross for you. Or maybe you know those things, but you think you're too far gone. I'm here to tell you you're not. Because that's where Paul was. Paul was too far gone. Paul was an enemy of God. Paul hated everything to do with Jesus. So if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at where did this urgency come from? Where did Paul get this passion where he wrote, I am not ashamed, where he wrote, I'm going to fight the good fight, where he wrote, I urge you, where he wrote these things, where I must live for Christ, where he wrote, I'm compelled. Where did that urgency come from? Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Now Paul still breathing threats and murders against the disciples, against the followers of Jesus. That's Paul. His name was Saul. They're like, wait a minute, Jeremiah, you said Saul. So his name got changed. God changed his name. Because his, he, don't, he was just trying to help him. God changes his name. But here, his name is Saul, but it's the same guy. It says he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him from the, to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, the way is another word of saying Christians, anybody who's following Christ, that would mean anybody in this room who's called a believer. He says that anyone belonging to the way, both men and women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem in chains and throw them in prison. And as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. 
So Paul felt he was doing what was right. Paul felt he was doing what God called him to do. Paul felt he was doing everything that God wanted him to do. So he had this mission and this vision of getting rid of those people who believed in Christ. He had this idea that I'm doing the right thing. And I think some of us, we can be on that same mission. We can be fighting the wrong fight. We can be fighting the wrong things. We can be fighting for people's rights, whatever they might be. We can be fighting for different stances, whatever it might be. We can fight, be fighting for straws that they would be made out of paper instead of plastic to save turtles. And I'm not saying some of those things aren't good things, but we're fighting the wrong thing, and some of us are fighting the wrong people. There is an enemy. His name is the devil. That's our enemy. People aren't our enemy. And we're fighting. And so Paul is on mission. He's thinking, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to fight the people of the way, and he's fighting the wrong fight. Some of you are doing that same thing right now. You're fighting the wrong fight. When the fight you should be fighting is that people might know Jesus. You see, when somebody's life is changed by Jesus, it changes values, it changes their care, it changes how they see life, it changes how they see babies, it changes how they see everything. When all of a sudden, their eyes are focused on the Lord, the Savior of all, instead of on themselves. Paul was fighting the wrong fight. And I wonder if Paul were here today, what fight he would fight. I'll tell you what he would fight. He would fight for lost souls. That's what he would fight for. He would tell others about Jesus. That's what he would fight for. He would stand up for, his, his social media posts wouldn't be about any of the political things, I'll tell you that much. He didn't get into that realm. You look at Paul, he's like, I'm gonna go to the governor, and I'm not gonna go to the governor to fight for rights of people. I'm gonna go for, to the governor to make sure he knows about Jesus. That's what Paul fought for. You look at any of his writings, it was always about Jesus. It was always that people might know that Jesus could change their life, but not at this moment. You see, something got Paul to that moment, but at this moment, he was fighting the wrong fight. So as he's riding his donkey on his way to Damascus so that he can imprison and kill Christians, because that's what he sort of did. He killed a guy named Stephen. It says that at his feet, they were casting their, their rows at, at a man named Paul's feet so they could stone Stephen. Paul was a murderer of Christians and imprisoner of them. But then, it says, and as he was traveling, he approached, and, and it happened as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you going against me? Why are you, it says in another passage, why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you kicking against me when you know what I'm calling you to do? Why are you fighting the wrong fight? That's what, Paul, that's what God says to him. And I wonder how many of you right now, you know you're supposed to be in here. And you're saying, not yet. I wonder how many of you right now are kicking against the goad. You're like, no, and God says, stop fighting me. He says, why are you, he says, and he fell to the ground, and Paul heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And 
Jesus doesn't say, I'm done with you. I wash my hands of you. You've gone way too far. You've killed people. You've done wrong things. You've lived the wrong life. I'm done with you. You're dead. I'm just going to leave you dead on the side of the road. That's not what God does. Some of you might think, I'm too far gone. I've done things I shouldn't do. I've lived a life I shouldn't live. I, I, can't, I come here because I come with family, whatever it might be. You think, I'm, but God, you can't change me. God didn't say that to Paul. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that's worse than Paul. I really don't think that. Paul was a pretty bad guy early on in his life. It says in verse 6, but, he got, but get up, Jesus says, and enter the city, and I'll tell you what you're supposed to do next. Now, Paul's blind at this moment, okay? Paul can't see. So Paul now, his guys are sort of leading him, and they have no clue. They didn't really, they heard, they heard something. They didn't really know what was going on. They all saw this moment. But Paul has an encounter with Jesus at this moment. Paul has a life-changing moment. He's here, he's blind, he's going, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're gonna do, Jesus, but I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna trust you. So that's what Paul's doing. He's walking blind. And some of you, that's the place where you need to be walking blind, trusting God, doing God, I don't know what's next, but I'll take that step. Maybe it's your commitment. Maybe it's going, God, I really want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. Build your legacy. I don't know how much, Lord, I can give, but I'm going to give what I can. Maybe that's your walking blind. You're going, okay, God, I can give $10 a month. That's what I can give. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're walking blind going, God, I don't know what's next, but maybe I'm supposed to get baptized. Maybe walking blind is saying, God, I've never trusted you with my life, but I'm going to trust you. Maybe walking blind is going, God, I don't know how it's going to work in my marriage, but God, I need you to fight for my marriage. Maybe walking blind is, maybe you're a single mom. You're going, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to walk faithfully. Paul is walking blind knowing, God, you've got something. So he's walking blind. You see, what Paul didn't know is God's got this story going on over here. You see, God's always got a side story in your life. God's always, when he's working on you, God's also working on somebody else to encourage you. You don't realize it, but that's happening. Maybe God's working on you because you need to share with your neighbor about Jesus and you don't realize that God's already working on that neighbor. He just wants you to make that step of faith and go tell them about him. And they're like, why didn't you tell me this? We've been neighbors for 30 years. Why, have you, why is this the first time you're telling me you even go to church? So God's got this side story going. It says, and there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him, Ananias, and Ananias doesn't say what. He says, here I am, Lord. See, I think so many of us, when it comes to hearing God's voice, we need to have open hands, not hands up. Not like a, what? What do you want? It's just, okay, God, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want to do? He says, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, get up and go to the street called Straight. I want that road. And inquire at the house of Judas... For a man from Tarshish named Saul. Now, the moment he hears that name, and I know for some of us, the moment we see something, the moment we see somebody's post, the moment we see a person, the moment you, you anything that, that reminds you of somebody, how many of you immediately you are on alert? Anybody like that? It Maybe it's a food, it's a memory, it's a place, it's it, anything you see, you're like, immediately brings up a bad memory. That's Paul, that's, that's Ananias right here. He says, and you're going to talk to a man named from Tarshish. He's like, Tarshish? I've heard of Tarshish. A guy named Saul for him, and he's praying. It says, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. He says, he knows you're coming, and he's going to lay hands on him. So that he might, and you're going to lay hands on him, so he might regain sight. And Ananias says, Lord, 
I have heard from many about this man and how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. He's like, God, do you have any idea who Paul is? God, you know, okay, I know you want to do something in him, but God, for reals, do you know who he is? Have you heard of his reputation? God, of all people, of all people, God, what about Bart? Bart's a good guy. He's one of my disciples. How about you use Bart? God's like, I don't want to use Bart. I want to use Saul, who's going to be named Paul. But God, he's a bad guy. Bart's a nice guy. That's what's going on in his mind, because I think so many of us, we doubt who God can use. We don't realize that God wants to use you to be a part of somebody else's legacy. So I wonder who is your Paul, who's your Saul? Who's the person that God's saying, I want you to pour into them even though you don't see value? He says, God, I've heard what he's done. And, he, and, and here he has, God, do you not know he has authority from the priest to, to bind and to take us prisoner? All who call on your name? And the Lord says to him, he ignores everything he says. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Oof. Go, for he is a chosen instrument. You see, I wonder how many of you, maybe God's calling you to greet out the door and you're worried and hesitant, but you might have a chance to meet one person that all of a sudden is going to be a Paul. I wonder how many of you are in children's ministry right now and you're helping and hold, you're holding kids and stuff. And I wonder how many of you have no idea that the very kids you're holding, the very kids that you're ministering to, the very kids that you are telling the gospel to are one day going to be a Paul. I, wa- I wonder how many of you are ushers or how many of you are, are outside helping with the, 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 um, the coffee bar. I wonder how many of you are, are doing, serving the Lord in some way and you don't realize that the very place you are, God is going to use you like Ananias where you're going to maybe have a very small part in the backstory, but in the end, a huge legacy. Because what if Ananias said no? I wonder how many times we've said no. Because we're too scared, too embarrassed or it's a waste of our time. So, Ananias goes. And he goes and he, and he tells and he talks to Paul and he prays over Paul and says, the scales fall off of Paul's eyes and Paul all of a sudden starts preaching to people about Jesus. So Paul has this radical encounter with God. He has this life-changing moment where he is being, he's been changed by Jesus Christ, where he's now on this mission. He's gonna tell every single person about Jesus. People are questioning him. How many of you have ever seen that person? You're like, no, I need to see evidence that you really have changed first. And okay, I'm, I know that's, a, that's a, a sticky place to be. Where you're going, but Jeremiah, they've hurt me so many times. And I know there are times where you've got, you've got to, there's evidence of constant, come back just to get you to go away. I get that. But then there are times where God says, can you just trust me that I'm doing something? Can you be faithful even though you're going to get hurt again? I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've been hurt and stabbed in the back. It, I mean, Chapin can speak to it too. I can't tell you how many times where we've said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this person. And we do our part. All we're called to do is do our part. It's up to them whether or not they want to follow the Lord. 
And I can't tell you how many times where I've, I've walked somebody through and I've done and I've poured out so much into people and then all of a sudden, it's like they stab me in the back and they're like, I don't want anything to do with this. And I'm like, God, did I just waste my time? Like I can tell you, so I know, I mean, whether you like tattooers or not, I mean, I'm not gonna get into that. I do like them. This tattoo right here was done by a kid who I kicked out of youth group 12 years ago. And I kicked him out because there's legit reasons why. There's certain things you can't do at church in life. There's certain things that you can't do because they're against the law. So I kicked somebody out. He's a kid that I, I, I've spent more money in this kid's life taking him out to lunch, investing in him, taking him to all different things, investing, investing in him as a young man to all of a sudden feel like I was stabbed in the back. I'm like, God, did I waste all that time? Then... He and I became friends on Instagram. I started comment. well, he called me a few times before that, and he's cussed me out. And, like, I can't, there's a lot of things. Years after I kicked him out, he called me, and it was just a mess. But I just felt like, okay, God, I'm going to keep praying for this young man. Then I started following him on Instagram and started commenting on different posts of his and liking them and started telling him, hey, dude, your artwork is really great. I really like it. Hey, dude, I want to get a piece by you. I have this piece that I've designed that I want to get by you. I didn't design it. I like, had the idea. He designed it. So I got to sit in his chair for a really long time. He apologized to me. He said, dude, I don't even know what I was thinking. I was totally in the wrong. You were in the right. He's going to church. He's giving us, he's following us, the Lord again with his life. I could easily, easily have said, you know what, I'm done but Paul doesn't tell, or God doesn't tell you to be done until you're done. And Ananias said, I'm not done. And then so Paul's preaching. Now Paul goes to Jerusalem. He's like, okay, I've got to talk to the disciples. I've got to let them know that God's changed my heart. He goes and the disciples are like, whoa, Saul, you kill people. You, we watched you kill Stephen. He's our friend. Stephen's our friend. But there's this guy named Barnabas who gets very little. Ananias, that's the only place we know about him in the Bible. He's a small footnote in the legacy of a man who changed the world. A small footnote. And some of you, that's my, that might be you. Bar Barnabas, he's a small footnote in Paul's life. It says when he came to Jerusalem in, in Acts chapter 9, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were afraid of him. I mean, you've got to, it's a legit reason, right? I mean, if he kills people and all of a sudden three months later, he's like, I'm changed, I'm changed. You're like, dude, literally, you just killed Stephen. Like four months ago, the rocks still are bloody. Dude, how can you change that quick? He's like, seriously, I've changed. But Barnabas, verse 27, took hold of him. Barnabas saw value and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas took a chance. Barnabas shared Jesus with Paul. Ananias shared Jesus with Paul. And Paul became somebody nobody thought he'd ever be. You see, that's what builds your legacy is all about. It's not about your name being known. It's about Jesus' name being known all over the world. And the more we can share Jesus, the more that we can tell others about Jesus, the more we raise our kids up in knowing Jesus, all of a sudden, the culture starts to change.
Laws don't change culture. I'm sorry. Governors don't change culture. Presidents don't change culture. We've seen that. All they've done is make you fight. But you want to know what changes culture? Jesus. He changed culture all throughout the Bible, and I believe he wants to do it again today. And all of a sudden, what you see is you see Paul, he gets this, his heart is wrecked by Jesus, his heart is wrecked by God, because these two guys, Ananias and Barnabas, said, you know what, I'm going to take a chance with you. I'm going to risk you. I'm going to do children's ministry with you, Paul. I'm going to greet you at the door, even though you look messy, and you look broken, and you you have something funky is on your eyes, because I don't even know, it says scales fell off them, and Paul, I don't know, but I'm going to still talk to you, even though you've killed people, even though you're a bad guy. Paul, I'm going to take a risk. And all of a sudden, we see 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see what this risk of these guys did, what it did in a man named Paul. It says, for Christ's love compels us. Paul was driven by the love of Jesus. It compelled him. As Walt said in that earlier quote, Paul, Walt said, He says, if we loved our lost neighbors as much as God loves them. You see, that's what grabbed Paul's heart. For Christ's love compels me. It drives me. It's overcoming me. That's what what that word compels me, and it means to drive, to push, to, to make us do. He says... Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him. And some of us, we are living for ourselves like Paul. We're fighting God. We're fighting the wrong fight. We're, 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 we're focused on the wrong thing. We're going the wrong way. And, and now it says, okay, let's no longer live for ourselves. Let's live for Christ. And so for some, for some of you, and you're going to hear me push this, and I'm going to push it next service too. Some of you, it, it, it is your time to take that step and to get into that water. It's your time. It's your time to leave this life here, in there, and come out new. It's that time. Paul says in verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. Verse 20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Some of you have been sitting. Worship team, you can come on up. If you, are getting, if you want to get baptized this service, I want you to stand up right now and to go on over to this side and we'll get you close. If that's what you're called to do. If you know that's you right now, I want you to get up, get out of your seat, and go over there. We've got a team of people. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't, none of that. It is your moment to take a step of faith and to do what God is calling you to do. Paul says, here's what we are called to do, those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. You, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a sent out one with a, with a message from whether it was their king or their governor. That was an ambassador or their president. We have ambassadors who go to different countries and they speak on behalf of the president. You are ambassadors for Christ. You speak on his behalf. He sends you out now to do what he's called you to do. You are an ambassador. You are his representative. You are his representative on every platform. 
on your Snap, on your TikTok, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, in your texts, in your relationship with your friends, at your workplace. You are an ambassador. That's what you are. That's what God has called you to do, and he's empowering you to do that. How did Paul get to there? Because Paul had an encounter with Jesus. That's how Paul got there. So I don't know how many of us in this room are kicking against God. I don't know how many of us are in this room and we're fighting against what Jesus is calling us to do. I don't know how many of us are in this room and, and we're maybe going in the wrong direction. We're fighting the wrong fight. I don't know how many of us in this room are, are maybe doing a life that we know we shouldn't do. But as it says in Psalm 102, verse 21, that men may tell. What are you telling? What are you telling? Paul says in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians, and I know I'm jumping around, Gail. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal. Do you see that as though he were making his appeal, his, his pleading through you, through you, to your friends at school. God is pleading through you to your coworkers. God is pleading through you to your family. He says, we implore you, I beg you, I beseech you, I urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Allow that relationship to change from foe to friend. Because when Jesus died on the cross, that's what it was for. So you'd go from an enemy to a friend. So you could go from being against him to being for him. So if you're in this room right now and you're kicking against God, stop. Just stop. Stop fighting. You don't need to be that hard-nosed guy. You don't need to be all tough. If you're fighting against God because you think, God, you can't use me because I'm broken. I'm, uh, have you seen the things I've done and you've seen what I've gone through? Have, God took a broken man named Saul, turned him into Paul, and changed the world. God wants to take a broken you change you to change the world. So I ask you, will you join me on this mission? Will you stop fighting the wrong fight? Will you stop kicking against God? And will you join me in what God is calling us to do? If God is calling you right now to get baptized, and this is gonna be the last time I'm gonna say it, you can get up while I'm praying. If you're like, I don't want every single eye looking at me, I get it. I mean, I have everybody's eyes looking at me all the time, and 
I just don't even care. I just picture everybody naked. I'm totally kidding. I don't do that. That'd be super weird. But I get it. If you've allowed your love for Christ to sizzle, to die out, I ask that you would seek the Lord and say, God, will you kindle afresh, as he said to Timothy, kindle afresh the gift that is in you. And if you would like to be part of Build Your Legacy, if you didn't have a chance to bring your commitment before the Lord, there's cards. If you need one, the ushers are going to give that to you. If you didn't get one of these right here, raise your hand and we'll get you one. If you would like to bring your commitment to the Lord and say, say God, you know what? I want to be part of this. I want to be part of what this church is doing. And if that's you, ushers will be walking down the aisle. Just grab them. Ushers, if you could just walk down the aisles so people don't have to raise their hand if they don't want to. And then there's baskets up here, and some people have already brought them. That's awesome. But if you want to bring that as the worship team comes up, as I pray, to be a part of what God's doing. Because I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving. Because I prayed it. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for those that you're stirring in their hearts. They've been pushing and fighting against you, and you're saying, stop. Lord, I pray for those right now that maybe you're you're challenging, you're you're wanting them to take that step of faith and get baptized right now. God, I I pray, God, that, that you would give them the boldness to stand right now. God, for those of us who we've allowed our love for you to sort of die down, Lord, I pray that you would kindle afresh in each and every one of us that, that love for you. The love for our neighbors. The love for our lost family and friends. That we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't quit, that we would realize that we are ambassadors for you. If today you are in this room and you've never given your life to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity now. If maybe you're like Paul, fighting the wrong fight, going the wrong way, and God is saying, will you follow me now? Pray with me. There's nothing magical about the words. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of saying, God, I, I, w- I want to follow you. So just pray these words with me. Dear God, I'm sorry for fighting you. God, I'm sorry for going the wrong way. I didn't know. God, I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd set me free. And Jesus, I ask that you would change me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. And thank you for rising from the dead for me. Give me new life. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.